Hi, I'm Pastor Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here. This is Danny. Danny, good Kilgore. morning. We, uh, Danny and I decided we wanted to preach together. We hope that's all right. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see how it comes out. Listen, beginning, we're in the good news in the Old Testament series, and beginning this sermon with that song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness, that is who you are. Make sure Danny's mic is on, because I want to hear it if we... Yeah, it's on. And I just have to say real quick, um, I'm kind of feeling a little nervous because uh, it feels like kind of like how if Beyonce was, uh, I was singing. <laughs> are you Beyonce, Beyonce or my Beyonce in this story? You are. All right. <laughs> that is the first time anyone has ever, <laughs> ever compared me to Beyonce. But here's the, so, so here's the thing, this idea, this is what I love most about our God, church that he brings light into the dark, that there is nothing so hopeless in our world, there's nothing so broken in our lives, there's nothing so dead in our circumstances, in our flesh that can't be raised by this God. I mean, you think about the scriptures that he brings, he brings uh, um, uh, beauty from ashes, he brings a garment of praise for despair, he brings joy for mourning. This is what our God does, God raises the dead. God brings dead things back to life. And this is the stuff that we want to look at a little bit in this, um, in this uh, uh, new Old Testament to the New Testament thinking of there's good news in here. God brings dead things back to life. And every one of us have experienced that. I shared that with somebody earlier this morning about, oh, man, where do you hear our sermon? This is what we're talking about. And he's like, oh, man, we all have a testimony to that. Yeah. That God has brought dead things back to life. Yeah. I mean, I think that last, a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you all in a sermon that I preached that I had an opportunity to share a testimony with um, a couple. And... I shared that I remembered a time in my life where I had a desperation, where I needed God. And in that very moment, I called out to God in a hopeless, desperate place. And I knew in that very moment that God met me there. Yeah. I was hopeless. I was at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. I was at the bottom. I knew I had no place else to go but low. Yeah. And God met me there. Yeah. And when I called out to the name of the Lord, yeah. the Holy Spirit came in and I felt the dead thing, my deadness, come back to life. Yeah. That's that beauty from ashes, Mark. I have that picture the up there. I just love that, that shot of a flower in the, the ashes. Sorry, go ahead. That's exactly how I yeah. felt. Yeah. <laughs> that picture, that's exactly how I felt. When I looked up, there was a mirror in front of me. I saw the scales come off. I saw a picture of God saw me to be. I was no longer, in that moment, who I used to be. Mm -hmm. The old had passed away. I felt new inside. The, new, the old had passed away. I was new. Are you telling us what that circumstance is, or you decided this week in preparation not to tell us that circumstance? Well, you know, I was... <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> I was a college student living college life. Okay. Doing college student things. Yeah. <laughs> that did it... not please my mother <laughs> at all. At all. Or your savior. And this is what... <laughs> and I think... <laughs> Because you're giving your life to Christ. And I think about your sermon yeah. a couple of weeks ago, that disobedience leads yeah. to destruction. Yes. And you found yourself at the bottom. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, for sure. I was not living a life pleasing at all. I was dibbling and dabbling in sin. And I wasn't just dibbling and dabbling. I was swimming in it. Swimming in sin. And I was indulging in sin in such a way that God had to rescue me before I took a deep dive and I could have died. And God came and rescued me. He found me. Yeah. And brought me back to life. And that's it. That's why we're calling this sermon, um, that this is the good news in the Old Testament, that God brings dead things back to life. Yeah. That's what he shows us in the Old Testament, and it's ultimately fulfilled in the New Testament. We're going to touch on both. I want you to look at an Old Testament passage with me in Ezekiel chapter 37. I have a couple of the verses here. If you're a Bible person and want to grab one, you can grab uh, one off of your, uh, your device or in the seatbacks in front of you, but you'll see some of the verses up here. This is a, just this incredible passage in Ezekiel chapter 37, where the prophet, again, it's the Old Testament. Part of what we're doing in this series is we're looking at these Old Testament passages and we're going, this is such a weird passage, but friends, it's good news embedded in there that's ultimately fulfilled in the New Testament and in the story of Jesus. And so you look at Ezekiel 37 with me. Ezekiel is having this experience, this prophetic experience. He's in the presence of God. Uh, starting verse one, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley and it was full of bones. Mm. Now already we got this image, right, of death, skeletons. Mm. He led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? So here's God asking the prophet, what do you see here? And the prophet's like, total death and destruction. That's what I see. Mm. So much so that that the flesh is rotted, like this is a defeat uh, to the nth degree, old, done, finished, this is death. He goes, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. I love that. I love that when, when, when God's already like, what do you see? And we're like, death. And he goes, do you think anything good can come from this? And, the, and Ezekiel's like, yeah, actually, I can't even have that vision, but you know what you can do, God. Now he goes on, I don't have that text up on the screen, but if you've got your Bibles up in verse four, then he said to me, prophesy to these bones, say to these bones, hear the word of the Lord. I love this. He's going, you talk to the bones, Ezekiel. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. What's breath symbolize, friends? Life. Life. And we're going to, by the way, by the time we get to the, the, uh, the end of this text, you'll also know it always symbolizes the Holy Spirit, which is the author of life. Mm-hmm. Prophesy to these bones, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Now I'm in verse six. You will attach, I, God says, will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you. Say breath. Breath. And you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Is that not one of the best chapter, I mean, paragraphs in the Old Testament? So, verse 7, I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. You see this? Dead things are coming alive. Do you see it, church? But there was no breath in them yet. So what is he saying? There was no life yet. There wasn't life fully coming yet. That the breath is the life. So verse nine, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, 
prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. Say breath. Breath. And they came to life and stood up on their feet, vast army. Now look at these verses, verse 11. He explains it. Here's the explanation. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we are cut off. Now this was the story of the history of Israel at that time. They had been cast off into exile in Babylon. They'd be overrun. Their temple was destroyed. Like this is, this is all their particular story. And yet for us, we all know that. We know that moment where we go, we feel cut off. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. This is deader than dead. This situation, my heart, my hope, all of this, there's no hope left. Verse 12, therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. This is what the sovereign Lord says. How does, what is, how does the Lord start his message? What does it say right there? My people. Mm-hmm my people. You're my people. When our bones are dried up and dead and the defeat is complete, he goes, my people. You're my people. There's hope right embedded at the beginning of his message. He says, my people, I'm going to open your graves. In other words, I'm going to take everything that is dead and bring you up out of them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. Verse 14, look at this with me, everybody together. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. I will put my breath in you and you will live. I will settle you in your own land and you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and that I have done it, declares the Lord. This is the message of the gospel of Jesus that gets fulfilled that Danny's going to talk about in a minute. But the hope of it, the, the, the good news hints of it are in the Old Testament that God brings dead things back to life. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is the agent of that transformation. The Holy Spirit is the agent of that transformation. In fact, it's all about him. It is his power. It is his work. It is his transformation. That's what he does. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who you are. Amen. And that is all in Ezekiel, for goodness sakes. I know. That is, <laughs> that is preaching. And I tell you that the good news in that is that when I hear those verses, what I hear is, we're never without hope. Mm. Yeah. That no matter how dry our bones may feel, we're never without hope. Yeah. The Bible says hope never fails. Yeah. That we're never without hope. That every day our life is restored. You know, the good news here is that Ezekiel is pointing to, he's pointing to a futuristic transformative power that is soon to come. Yeah. He's talking about the spirit that's going to be poured out to the people that when he's prophesying and talking to the people of Israel, it's mind blowing for them. But as we're thinking about it, we can know that this, he's talking about the Pentecost, right? Yeah. 
He's talking about the time in which the Holy Spirit will be poured out until all believers. You see, up until that time, the Holy Spirit was only, the Spirit of God was only given to certain people on certain times for certain situations. But what by Jesus Christ's sacrifice, the Holy Spirit on Pentecost was poured out to all believers. The playing field was leveled. Because you believed in the name of Jesus, we all had access to the Spirit of God. The Spirit was poured out to all believers. And now we were filled with the Spirit every day in all circumstance, no matter what the case. That's the good news. Yeah, and that's where the hope Amen. is. Amen. Yeah, and that's where the hope is. Yeah. That is the hope. I want us to look at verse, chapter, 2 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 17 through 18. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 17 through 18. It says, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Okay, I have to put my iPad down because Jeff is up here. He's not going to let me preach with my notes. <laughs> okay. All right. First, to fully grasp the depth of what Paul is teaching here, I'm going to invite you to go back on your own study time and start at verse 7 yeah. and go back and read it. But chapter. for the sake of time, I'm going to give you Danny's Cliff Notes to Paul's teaching of this greater glory of this new covenant that we now have, okay? All right, so in these verses, Paul is saying that we once held true to these traditions, to the structure of the law of Moses, the old covenant that we had. But because of the weight of sin, our struggles through temptation, it faded. That glory we couldn't hold on to because it was temporary. Mm. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we now have this new covenant, this greater glory through the sacrifice of Jesus, this new glory, this new covenant through the spirit, this bondage we once had by the old covenant is no longer because what verse 17 says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. All right. I know you're like, what are you talking about? Dan? No, no, this is good. Okay. All right. So stay with me. Okay. Here we go. Now, I'm just looking at, I'm just looking, I'm just looking, Jeff. I'm just looking, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just checking, okay? I'm just checking, make sure I'm on track. All right, now, 
verse 18 says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord with who his spirit, with who is which his spirit. Okay, this unveiled face, let's gotta go back to Exodus 23 through 31, when Moses would go up to visit with God on Mount Sinai, he would visit with God and God had this glory that would, would veil and with power and, and, and light and God had this glory and, and he would reflect his glory unto Moses. And when Moses would come down, the people would be afraid because of the glory, this glow that he would have. And so not to be afraid and not to make afraid of the people, he would wear a veil. Because Moses knew that this glory that he would be reflecting from God, because how could you not spend so much time with God and not reflect God's glory, his image, on his face? Stay with me. God, he could not. So he would wear a veil. So he would not make the people be afraid. So he would wear a veil. But if you continue to read throughout Moses's ministry, the veil was not mentioned because after a while, the glory faded because it was temporary. So here we are in verse 18 when Paul is mentioning this temporary, this old covenant that is fading. But now we, because of this new covenant, we don't have to wear a veil. We can now go before the Lord's glory with unveiled faces because our glory is not temporary anymore. We have the spirit of the Lord that is within us because when God looks upon our face, he sees what? His image. Because his spirit is within us because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So we no longer have the, the old covenant. We have this new covenant that surpasses the old covenant because of the spirit of the Lord has been transformed. We are transformed by the spirit of the Lord. Yeah. That is the good news. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah and, and, and it's for all of us, as Danny said. Not, I love how you said it. That's that the Holy Spirit, the Old Testament came certain people, certain times for certain reasons in the New Testament in every believer for all that transforming work daily. Amen. That's incredible news. So what do we want to do with this? What do we want to encourage you to? This is what we want to encourage you about. Um, and Danny, you know, she just, her, her passage reaffirmed the same two points that the Old Testament passage did. God brings dead things back to life mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit is the agent of that transformation. Yeah. So where do we want to go with this? Where do we want, in the couple minutes left, you guys, what do we want to encourage you with? First, number one, this is what we want to encourage you with. Fortunately, this isn't rocket science. This is centuries-old stuff. Christians have been, been, been living this way for 2,000 years. This is not some spiritual mystery that you may not discover in your life. It's not some random lightning strike of, of, uh, of enlightenment. This is what Christians have been about for 2,000 years. Yeah. And if we want to do what Jeff is saying, we have to put our way, ourselves in the way of the spirit. That's look, what it is. I look at myself, ourselves as like this balloon. It's limp. 
It's unfun. <laughs> it's has a purpose. It could be fun, but without any air, it does nothing. That's what our lives are like. But when we fill it with the Holy Spirit, we fill it with spiritual disciplines, like Sabbath in our life. Hmm. Now we can be filled with the Spirit. When we add prayer in our life, we're active. Provide ourselves with some worship. Accountability pounders. Continue to do things like come to church, surround ourselves with fellowship. And unlike a balloon that the more air you feel, it could pop, there's no such thing as the more spiritual disciplines you add in your life, there's no such thing as having too many. The more you fill your life with spiritual disciplines, the more full, the more you reflect the image of God. And you will ever increase the more you will feel your life and reflect the spirit of God. And you'll be able to do more of what God has called us to do. Yeah, so it's not rocket science. These are the spiritual disciplines that have been around for centuries. We put ourselves in the way of the spirit. We get near the Holy Spirit because he's the agent of transformation that fills us with life. I will put my breath in them and they will live. That's, there you go. Oh, that a girl. <laughs> and we do this because we're encouraging you this way because this brings life, church. We're not doing this because we want you to be religious. We're not doing this because we want you to be busy. We're not doing this because we want you to attend our programs. We talk about these things because it's where life comes because the spirit is the agent of that transforming life. Yeah. So you ask yourself, what's your next step? I think back to where I was when I was 22 trying to figure out things for my life. And in that moment, when I was on my knees and I prayed and asked God to forgive me and I rededicated my life, I was a bartender and he forgave me and said, you have been forgiven, welcomed me back into the family. And I knew at that moment I was changed on the inside, but I still had to go to work. And I'm going to tell y'all, I wasn't a bartender at Chili's. Okay. Something less reputable than Chili's? All right. Yes, I was not a bartender at Chili's. Okay. I still had to go to work. I still had to do the things. But I knew at that moment, if I wanted the outward me to reflect what had happened on the inside, I needed to take a step, an intentional step. So I had to make a commitment to get accountability partners that would keep me on the straight and narrow path. I had to go to church. I had to find holy, godly relationships and friendships. I had to change my hangout spots. I had to do the things that were pleasing to God so that I wouldn't go backwards, so that I can continue to move forward, so that I could continue to do the things that God called me to do, so that the commitment I made at that moment would remain committed. Those were things that you were putting yourself in the way of the spirit. Yeah. You were like, all right, if God's going to change my life, I got to get near him. I got to lean into this. I had to lean into it. And had I not done that, I wouldn't be standing here with yeah. you all today. So I know it works. <laughs> it works. And all of this is when I know we take that first step. Yeah. So ask yourself, what's your first step? Is your step finding accountability partners? Is your step making space for God? 
Is your step finding and adding in some disciplines that you need? Whatever your step is, the invitation to move closer to Christ and allow the Spirit to bring those dead things in your life back to life is always here. And I invite you to come to the table. Bring those things to the table. Ask God, meet me there. And whatever you need, whatever you stand in need of, it's at the table. Hmm. So at this time, Jeff and I are going to come to the table. We're going to come to the table. Because remember, we wouldn't have access to the spirit of the Lord that brings that full transformation if it wasn't for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ provided the sacrifice so that we could have that transformative power that lives within us. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone be in Christ, they are new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made. If our next, excuse me, sorry. No, you go ahead. I That's a, I'm surprised we didn't step on each other more. So as we come to the table, it's, we're rehearsing this idea of being in the way of the spirit, of putting ourselves in the place of that transforming spirit. There's two things that, that this table does. One is it reminds us to, it re, we're rehearsing the truth that Jesus Christ died for our sins and has reconciled us to God. We're rehearsing that truth. That's what we're remembering here. He's saved me and I'm his. That's the first thing that happens here. And the second thing, we're proclaiming something kind of along the lines of our sermon here. We're proclaiming, here I am. Here I am. So hear the words of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So now church is a symbol of whatever steps we're taking to put ourselves in the way of the spirit. Let's come to the table of the Lord together. We've got the communion elements in front of you. Last time we're doing the little plastic ones, by the way. Next month we're going back to the real ones. And uh, by the way, these are not all gluten-free unless they're marked gluten-free. Sorry. So I want you to know that. Um, but let's take off the lid and take the body of Christ if you're able to do so. This is the body of Christ broken for you. Let's take and eat together. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink.
Let's pray together. Father God, we come with such gratefulness. We remember and rehearse that you have saved us and made a way for us to be filled with your Holy Spirit. And we proclaim at this table, here I am, God. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to you to be transformed from into your image with ever-increasing glory. You're the way of change. You're the resurrection from the dead. You're the healing of the brokenness. You're the joy for gladness. You're the beauty from ashes. And so we come before you at the table proclaiming that you have saved us, proclaiming here I am, God. And so do your work in my life today. Surrender myself again to you, for you are the only one worthy of my worship and my life. And all God's people said.